Welcome to Flywheel Pod, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And today was a really informative educational episode with the Olympus guys. Um, to be honest, I was never really an OMI before this in terms of like understanding like how they work and like they're all like their end game. I just knew them as like high APY, like in like the meme of 3-3, but I didn't really understand like the mechanics and like really where they were going. But in this episode, I definitely was own pilled. I feel like I definitely like understand like what their end game is. And like one thing that they kept on driving is how to build a reserve currency from first principles. If we were to build a DeFi native reserve currency, what would it look like? What are the needs of the protocols that would use it? Uh, and so on. So Kit, what were your reactions from today's episode? I think the Omis always had the grander vision in mind, but they just kind of had to go through that growing pain of, you know, getting forked left and right and just getting completely demolished on uh, crypto Twitter, being called Ponzi's and all that. But being a world reserve currency was kind of like, or rather a DeFi reserve currency was always on their, like top of their mind. It was in their docs. And yeah. The more I listen to the way Jala has been describing it and the tools that they're building, like I'm slowly seeing that vision come true. And it's very exciting to see them execute on it. And I'm excited for the listeners to kind of hear out the whole, you know, V3 element of Olympus. It's, it's a brand new coin. Yeah, brand new coin. Yeah. And especially their collaboration and symbiotic relationship with Frax over the past year, whether it's, you know, Olympus holding a lot of Frax in their treasury or, you know, FraxSwap being used by Olympus for their monetary policy. Like, they have, you know, it just makes so much sense for them to be partners. Um, and, like, I think together they're much stronger uh, because of it. Agreed, agreed. And I can't wait for the listeners to kind of dive into this pod. Yeah. And on that note, do not forget to subscribe. We are at 900 subscribers now. Don't forget to hit that bell button um, so you get all of the alpha right to your notifs. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FlywheelPod. Join our Telegram group at FlywheelPod. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Hey, everyone. Welcome to FlywheelPod. Today, um, I am honored to have on two members of one of the most distinguished DeFi projects from this past cycle. Um that they're both on the leadership council. One is the lead dev of, and the other is a lead policymaker of, and that is of Olympus DAO. Uh, we have Indigo, who's the lead dev, Jala, who does a lot of policy work. Guys, thank you for coming on Flywheel Pod. How are we doing today? Good, sir. Good yeah, great. Here. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, I want to get right into it. Um, it was either this week or last week. You guys you know, had this tweet thread called Bye bye, hi HPY, and it was basically announcing the coming of V3 of Olympus DAO. So it's a complete overhaul of Ohm's monetary policy. Um, I want to know, like, what are some influences toward, like, that went into it, uh, and like, what are your goals with this new implementation of Olympus? Yeah, so I, I can give the high level, and then I'll pass it off to Indigo to like delve into a lot of the specifics. But um, I think good framing for this is uh, that. The past 18 months, really, for Olympus have been this like very long bootstrapping phase. Um, you know, we've always been laser focused on on this idea of becoming the currency of DeFi and crypto at large. 
Um, and that's not something that's easy to do overnight, right? And so we, um, we needed to build out our treasury and also build out the DAO and then build out these autonomous monetary policy tools. Um, and so we spent the last 18 months doing that. Um, and now we're ready to really come to market and launch. So um, the V3 has like a lot of different aspects to it. So the biggest one is the introduction of like one leg of this autonomous monetary policy. And that's what we're calling like the range bound stability system. Um, and general, like a wholesale code refactor of the protocol, making the treasury like a lot more flexible, um, introduces the ability for like native cross-chain own, which I think would be very important for us going forward. Um, so that's the groundwork for on-chain governance. And on the policy side, right? So I think you saw, right, that we're, we took the staking rate down from where it was at, at 200 plus percent. Um, now we're going down sub 10%. Um, and that allows like for like take a removal of like a, a, a really big hurdle for economic activity. Uh, yeah. And uh, is more in line with like the stage of the, with the protocol we're at. Um, so that's really high level, but um, Indigo like um, has a lot more of the technical, like uh, imp uh, on the technical implementations. Yeah, so there's yeah. three... Uh, yeah, oh, ahead, so there's ahead. three. Yeah, so there's three parts here that we can break up down. It's the uh, the range implementation, which you talked about a bit on Mark Jeffrey's podcast. I heard a little bit about. Um, you have the cross chain um, native cross chain ohm that you mentioned, and also you have this policy change from the high APY to seven percent. Those are like the three main parts of V3, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and, and to go along with the staking rate, right? Today we actually launched our own bonds. Which are mm -hmm. key, kind of think of those as like the treasury bonds issued by Olympus, where moving people like uh, out of staking, if they choose, into like longer term alignment with the protocol. So I'm doing test bonds now for like two weeks and one month, um, you know, and seeing how that goes. And they're going to roll those out for longer maturities. Okay, got it. Um, and Indigo, if you want to like just hop in, like how, like what parts did you like work on in this V3 and like, yeah, just get into it. Yeah. So, um, it all started actually like uh, last year after like the V2 stuff. Um, That's when I kind of joined and we realized that like we could simplify a lot of the architecture and the main motivation at the time was like the cross chain. And then uh, slowly it just became like, okay, well, if we re-architect uh, re this, like we can actually do a lot more um, making the system more modular. And so now like we essentially like in the last, I guess it's been like eight months or so, it's been like an effort to modularize and uh, just like make the pieces into something that um, can grow, right? And before it was a very rigid uh, architecture. It wasn't like very, it was very, um, it just wasn't designed very well. But now it's like, okay, once, once we did the re-architecture, we're like, okay, well now um during that time we thought of like okay range bound stability came up and then we're like okay we can also do the own bonds the cross chain is also there and then and then we have more systems coming up too so like it became more of like it became from a like just a system based around like staking to now it's becoming more of like a platform and the goal is for other people to actually be able to build on top of it as well and more of a composable system, not just from the token itself, but from the protocol itself, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense, especially when you said it's modular. So like before, it was just like, boom, you stake your own, you yeah. get this high APY, and like you kind of like hope for the best in terms of like the high APY was kind of like a precursor of the system growing and like the ohm economy growing. But mm -hmm. now it's instead of just like relying on the token and like the high APY, you're actually building like 
actual parts of the system that people can like build on top of in this kind of in a similar way how like people build on top of curve or people build on yeah. top of MakerDAO. like exactly. that's more of the direction that you guys are going um could 100%. you could you break down like what are the modular parts of the ohm stack now that people can build on top of yeah uh so like actually this is a good question um so we we actually are adopting this framework that um it's a system are built around our new governance system that actually allows the protocol to change so if you think of like how normal uh, governance systems are, they're like, you kind of just vote on um, if like a parameter changes or it's like a kind of like a signaling kind of mechanism. But now with this new system we're making, which is like we're dubbing it Parthenon um, and the new framework that we have, it's actually a system where, so we have some base level modules, right? So for example, like the minting capability or the treasury or, you know, like different like data um, structures. And then anyone can actually get different contracts voted in that are that have access to those systems. So like now when we make like, for example, the range bound stability system, it's just using the treasury and the minter and like two other systems, right? Or if we're making like, um, like the governance system is like, it can, it uses those different modules and it kind of just adds them on top it's 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 kind of hard to explain but um is it like a whitelisting system it sounds like yeah it's, it is yeah exactly. so like let's say i'm a protocol i want to yeah. like access ohm liquidity um mm -hmm. like if i want to access like the range system i can be like voted to be approved yes. yeah okay exactly yeah i got it uh, okay cool cool and so can you explain like for the people that haven't heard like how does like the range system like work like what does it do? Yeah, so the range system is a, um, so, uh, the, where do I start? So, Ohm as a asset, like we, we had been using bonds pretty much since the start, right? So we were doing, uh, uh, we were doing reserve bonds and LP bonds. Um, that was to accumulate uh, treasury reserves or to accumulate liquidity, right? And we, you know, obviously we became very famous from that. Um, what happened was like when we got near our backing, which, uh, I can go to further later, but, um, once we got close to backing, we were, uh, and below backing, then we were like, okay, well, what happens if we actually flip what the bonds are doing rather than selling Ohm for some assets? What if we use the assets to buy Ohm back? Right. And so you could think of these as like, um, as Frax has uh, like originated, they're like algorithmic market operations, right? Yeah, that's what so, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's 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 an AMO, and that's so. What we did was like we were doing this very manually. So like, okay, because it is it is kind of a hard system. Mm -hmm. But what we did, we we were able to codify it now, and that's essentially what the range bound system is. So it kind of is like a AMO that just uses the moving average and issues bonds or what we call the wall, which is just a straight up market uh, buy or sell. So like it enforces some range that like uh, that we're comfortable with or that the market is comfortable with rather. And then if those if the cushions, which are the bonds or the walls, which is like the straight up swaps, if if the capacity for those is gone, for example, like a large um, liquidation, a bunch of liquidations happen. So we break through the bottom 
range or, you know, for some reason, a bunch of buy pressure comes in and we break through the top range, the the range system goes into discovery. So it essentially just waits until the market essentially decides, okay, this is the price that we are comfortable with Ohm at. And then what the range system does is it essentially resets up the walls and cushions. So then it, it enforces that wall, the that range there. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, so it's a lot more flexible of a system. Exactly. Yeah, and it's automated, right? It's that's automated. The yeah, biggest the, thing is. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the key, right? Is like moving like to this proof of concept for this autonomous monetary policy because uh, if you're trying to build um, a currency that's like crypto native, um, I think you know, essential to that is not having people uh, sitting in a policy chat, like deciding like like bond capacities or staking rates, right? I think you need it to be, in order to be credible, you have to have like real um, autonomous policy. Um, and this is meant to be that proof of concept. And it's not meant to like day one, um, like stabilize Ohm like perfectly within like a very tight band, right? Again, it's it's meant to prove out that concept. And then over time, you can tune the bands tighter and tighter um, to enforce like better stability. But this like in the, in the short term, right? You still allow for price discovery, but you're not, you're not like putting hard walls on the prices. Mm-hmm. You're really acting as like an extremely powerful market maker, but still allowing the market to drive uh, where the price goes. Um, and I think that's a good way to frame the treasury really as like this, like massive budget for like this autonomous policy or market making. Right. And then it creates the conditions for third parties to come in and further like trade and market make those ranges to multiply that liquidity, enhance like stability that way. Got it. No, this is really cool. I think like something, a theme that was in, uh, one of our previous podcasts with Sam and Amin, um, from Rye is like the differences between, you know, Stable coins that are more like has to be like more hands on and active management at the current moment. And stable coins that can be autonomous, like Rye, like sets out to be completely autonomous with the way they structured it. While like Frax in its current form, um, with the way they're trying to grow, is like a little bit more hands on with like the multi sig, and that's kind of because they have to be with like all the different AMOs they have. But they are striving to have like more decentralized governance, more decent, you know, more autonomous, you know, AMOs in the in the future. But like. When it comes to like stable coins, everybody has like a different flavor and like a different way of going about things. And I think like the goal, whether it's like through governance or through policy or through actions on chain, is to become as autonomous as possible. Get as much, you know, human, like any human interface or human friction like out of the picture and basically let the contracts do the work and just like be in there and like in like the worst case scenario or like when it's only absolutely needed. Yes, sir. Yeah. Kit, what are you thinking of this so far? Now, I'm just trying to think from a Ohm holder's perspective, like, you know, all these new V3 tools and all this modularity, like, what are some ways a current Ohm holder can take advantage of this? So, um, I think there's a few different ways, right? Um, So, like, actively participating in the protocol, one way is to just, you know, bond, right? Do, like, these internal Ohm bonds. like that's like, I think like the simplest way, right? And then I think going forward, um, because of the removal of like that huge hurdle rate to staking, like in the market, like I think he'll be able to have a lot more productive uses for Ohm in the market, whether that's LPing or, you know, um, like putting your money in, in like putting your own in lending markets, right? Like there's gonna be like real economic opportunities for you, right? To utilize yeah. your own. And the treasury is really gonna like first bust open the door for those opportunities. Um, that's, we can get like more into like that vision a little bit about how we see that, but 
um, I think um, like there'll be a lot more optionality for utility. Yeah, that's actually the next question I want to get into. What's your plan for own adoption, the own end game? Because um, at the end of the day, if you're trying to build this reserve currency, you need people to use it and hold it and create this. As uh, Zeus said, I think at the beginning of this year was like an ohm economy. So like, what's your guys's, like, how will the lending work? Are you guys, have you guys thought about if like people, you know, borrow ohm, that's ba- people are basically shorting ohm. So like, you have to be careful about that and how you construct that. So what are like your thoughts on the end game of ohm and like your plan for adoption? Yeah. So um, in terms of adoption, I think it's important to like understand what it means to be a currency within the context of DeFi um, and crypto at large. So what I, what I think, what I don't think it means is like being able to take your own and go and buy a cup of coffee with it. Right? Like, I think that that is a very different goal, right? And maybe like a much longer term goal. And there's a lot of hurdles to that, like tax laws, right? Like off ramp, on ramp. Um, but um, I don't think that's where like the go to market should be for like a crypto native currency. I think the go to market should be about dominating um, like your home turf, right? And so to us, that means like our go-to-market is focused on DeFi. And what does it mean to be like a medium of exchange there? Well, the goods and services of DeFi really are tokens and product tokens. um, And that manifests itself as liquidity in the market, right? So becoming the most liquid counter asset and most liquid asset on money markets, right? I think is where you want to attack. Um, um, And then that, that I think is what it means to be like a real medium of exchange, right? Um, be the asset that people need in order to trade for those other assets. Uh, so how do we go about um, bootstrapping that, right? So um, I think this is a big shift in the protocol's thinking about, and, and I think for the public especially, like moving away from thinking about the product of Ohm as like the Ohm token, right? And more about the product being like the protocol and its ability to inject liquidity into markets. So whether that's like AMOs into money markets or um, minting liquidity against like single-sided like liquidity vaults um, and like creating a real value proposition first at the protocol level, right? And creating a lot of supply sinks and opportunities for people to utilize their own in, in liquidity pairs um, and then opening that up um, to like retail users to do the same, right? But all that enhances velocity for the token, creates organic demand. Um, and that I think is like how you become like a currency within the context of like what exists today in DeFi and where we think it's going. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you kind of echo the same sentiment as uh, Sammy from Redacted um, in the sense that like at first they had this bootstrapping phase where, you know, they were actually like an ohm fork. They got a lot of attention that way. Um, and with you guys, you're, you're the OG, you're ohm, like you guys were known for 3.3 high APY. But now like you know, you got the attention and like, you got like the proper like funding and like everything and you got the team roadmap and everything you needed. But now like the challenge that both you guys face is, but in different ways is like, okay, like now it's time for like building for the long term. Like, okay, now it's time to like sit down and actually like build out like what Olympus is, how Olympus is going to provide value long term within the DeFi ecosystem. And for you guys to do that, it's to basically become this liquidity black hole where like different projects can le- or user projects can use as like liquidity. You know, lending uh, money markets can use for liquidity as well. Um, is that this is like a good way to frame it, right? Yeah, and I think like a, like a really good way to think about it for me has been thinking about like what is Olympus's competitive advantage in the market as it goes like and attempts to do these things. Uh, so I think of it as threefold. 
Um, and I was actually just talking about this with Sam from Frax this week, mm-hmm. um, like in comparing and contrasting Frax and Ohm, because I think there are a lot of similarities. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, to me, it's like one is that credibility, right? So talk about like the credible monetary policy. Um, two is like the power of the treasury relative to the market at any given time, right? So that's what this bootstrapping phase was about was to like bootstrap this treasury that could be used to market make the, uh, like market make ohm and give people comfort as to its relative stability within certain bands of time, right? And the treasury is extremely powerful today relative to the market. Um, and third is this like monetary policy flexibility, which I think is the most important. And that relates to like not being beholden to a peg which allows you to inject liquidity into the markets and be able to absorb impermanent loss risk. Really, I think that's kind of how it manifests itself. Um, that allows you to inject liquidity into volatile markets, um, which is like a major, major competitive advantage. And I think that's where we're going to be spending a lot of our time. Got it. Um, you mentioned that there are similarities and differences with Frax, and you had a call recently with Sam. Like, What do you think are the similarities with Frax, and what do you think are some differences with Frax? And most importantly, where do you guys see you guys like working together and aligning? Because you know, Ohm and Frax have been partners since the way beginning, honestly. I think Frax was the first partner of Olympus back in June of 2021. Yeah, I think it was even earlier than that. Right, um, even earlier. Yeah. Um, I'll, I, I could take a shot at Indigo. I don't know if you want to jump in, but... Go for it, go for it. Yeah, so um, so first of all, in terms of like partnership stuff, right? So I think like we were one of the first protocols to take in Frax and size into our treasury. Um, like obviously we're paired with Frax. We have a pair on, on Frax swap, um, hoping to get on Frax lend. Um, we are we have a lot of our Frax in the Frax 3 curve pool today, helping, helping with liquidity there. Um, I think we want to explore more with the Frax base pool for sure. So I was just talking uh, with Sam about that this week. I'm excited about that to enhance Frax and Ohm liquidity, um, given that we're both pretty large holders of, of CVX um, and that we have some some uh, substantial FXS holdings as well and just driving liquidity that way. Um, going, like, And then to your other question about um, like the similarities and differences, um, to me, I, I view like, if you zoom out, right? Like we're both these kind of um, decentralized or like hope to be eventually really these decentralized monetary authorities, the ability to mint liquidity into the market. Um, there are like differences in terms of like the collateral ratios and stuff, but like that to me is a little bit less important, right? If you zoom out, like that's like one of the main strengths of the protocols. Um, Frax on the other hand, like on one hand has this peg, right? And they're beholden to that peg. And that's, that's both a pro and a con, right? Because it's a lot easier to get adoption and it's a lot more Lindy, right? Um, and there you have the shelling point like around this, around this peg. Um, and it's allowed the protocol to grow tremendously. Um, the con of being pulled into a peg is that like there's always bank run risk there, right? Should the peg break. Um, but on the flip side, Ohm has taken this route of being not pegged to any asset, right? And so you have a lot more flexibility when you could do, you can absorb impermanent loss, right? Like there's no bank run risk in that respect, right? Should like the peg break, because there is no peg. The worst thing that happens is the price moves, right? But there's a lot like higher hurdle to adoption that way. But I think there's a lot of different ways to collaborate. Like those very powerful, like you put those two things together. Oh yeah, especially like like you said, you guys are both these uh, autonomous monetary authorities that are being that are evolving on chain, and with the tools that Frax is building, and kind of the and all the policy stuff that you've been saying, and your initiatives that you've been like like are seeking to do in the future. Like I just see like the whole like De- the DeFi Trinity stack of Frax being like just so composable with all that. Yep, for sure. 
So I actually wanted to, to double click into the, the modularity stuff that we talked earlier in the call. Uh, Indigo, could you walk me through what is a use case for a, a DAO to adopt some of these um, modular tools that you guys are building for V3? Hmm. So a DAO could, um, I think that as far as like the core protocol, um, so the core protocol itself would probably not need to change from like a separate DAO, but like from internally in the DAO, um, you could see like, okay, if you wanted to create like any kind of AMO or something like that, that would be like a whitelisting on top of like the minting capabilities, right? Or if you wanted to make use of like the treasury to um, allocate those assets somewhere to, you know, maybe to your protocol, right? You could make like an allocation contract that accesses the treasury and then gets whitelisted through governance to be able to be able to actually do that, right? Things like that. Does that make and sense? It, it does. And then question regarding the whitelisting, is it very kind of like open and permissionless, meaning the, the yeah. governance would vote it in, or is it kind of yeah. more restrictive like curve style? Uh so that's a actually a good question. It's it's more of a question of like how we're rolling out our governance. So Obviously, um, we have a huge amount of assets, so like it's it's something that we have to like be very careful of that like it doesn't get into like any kind of malicious hands. So like we're doing like a phased rollout, but uh, eventually, yes, the goal is to be completely permissionless on chain uh, voting. Got it. okay. Yeah. So let me try to think of a, let's say we had f flywheel coin, which we mm -hmm. don't. But let's say we have flywheel soon. coin. <laughs> no, no soon, no TM. No, we don't want to give people ideas. <laughs> no, no okay. nothing. No. But let's, let's say not in this market. Yes, yes. Let's say that's a flywheel coin, and then I take this flywheel coin. I come to Olympus DAO, and I want to get us paired with Ohm because you guys said you guys want to be the pair against every currency out there. Then I have to spin up my own um, automated monetary policy to get a pool going on say curve or wherever and i can ask ohm to delegate some of the vlcvx votes into my pool to generate some yield and pool liquidity in that way and ohm would also pair some of the treasury ohm against my flywheel coin just to seed the initial liquidity is that what i'm, I'm kind of hearing yeah, so it would it would look it looks something like that. So you wouldn't go directly to like the minting capability. You'd probably go to like our contract for um like the the AMO contract itself, right? So you'd go, okay, like I need I want access to the AMO um to be able to like uh to be able to mint into whatever. Um so I would do, you know, exactly what you're saying. I think um so as far as the specifics on that though, like we still haven't built out anything like that yet. Like we're still mm. just building out the core pieces. Um, but I assume it would look something like that at some point in the ideal case. Yes. Um, we're still, you know, everything, we're, everything's still like, we're still trying to just get the core pieces down make sure it's solid. And then yes, hopefully we can do things like that. Yeah. Like, I, I can give it, I can give an example, yeah. like um, maybe something close to home with like maybe using Fraxy as, a, as an example, like the liquid staking derivative. Fraxy. Uh, Let's go. Right. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, liquid staking derivatives are cool because, you know, we like ETH and we want ETH in our treasury. We want to be paired against ETH. Um, um, like, like ETH itself doesn't need liquidity, but liquid staking derivatives do. Um, and so, I think like one of these avenues for liquidity AMOs could be 
um, having the treasury like um, mint direct liquidity against those assets. So if Frax protocol created a single sided like user deposit vault, all the protocol itself had like Frax ETH, it could deposit that single sided into a vault. Um, our treasury can match that, right? Basically in any size and provide the counter asset liquidity. Um, and um, that's beneficial to us because we get um, more liquidity depth, um, like better volume, like going through our pools, right? And then hopefully that drives like more organic demand as well for the token that like, as you, as you do those two things, um, on the flip side, like the Fraxies, um, also gets it's like deeper liquidity. And so, um, like, I think that could be like really mutually beneficial. Um, the question then like, right, is that scalable? Right. So early on, we want this to be, um, like, like pretty selective, right? Because we need to do this against really high quality assets. Mm-hmm. Right? so something that's backed one-to-one by ETH, for example, right? We're, we're, we're like, we can absorb like the volatility of ETH again, because we're not holding to that peg, but you don't want to just be eating like $200 million of liquidity against like governance tokens, right? So then how do you scale that um, in a, in like a permissionless way in the future that I like to be like, to go like to have that liquidity against any tokens. So I think as you build up larger and larger liquidity against these higher quality assets, now like that reinforces its ability because you have like much greater liquidity depth, then you can open that up to more like go up the risk curve and open that up to more volatile tokens. Um, mm. like have some thoughts on the best mm. way to do that. Um, like I think, um, like you can, one example could be the like flywheel token, right? Um, uh, um, if you wanted to utilize this liquidity AMO, um, this is kind of just like spitballing as an idea, but you could do that permissionlessly, um, as long as you bring some amount of ohm to the table yourself, right? And it's say like, I'm going to bring a million dollars of ohm to the table. And then the treasury will say, okay, I'll grant you 2X that amount in this liquidity AMO. Right? And, and kind of like, it's kind of like an outgrowth of the flex loans. I don't know if you guys have seen those, right? Where like that ohm is like pre-bought and then borrowed against for liquidity. And this just scales that into like a, like better leverage for the partner protocols and allows you to do that in a permissionless way. Got it. And you guys will provide that range um, modular tool to kind of, you know, uh, market yeah. make the price as well, right? That exactly. comes with the so, package. So the range balance system like underpins all this, right? So as mm-hmm. you have as you have volatility, you're you're absorbing and permanent loss, right, from all these pairs, right? Uh then the range balance system is helping to push against that and bring the price back towards the moving average. And so it's a very powerful like counter counter push or pull against those market forces that are being created by some of these tools. So you have like the whole system working in tandem there. And so like the range bound system isn't working in a vacuum. Got it. So it's like the white with white listing, I guess you're kind of like standards are you're looking for blue chip assets first because you don't want like some random protocol to like dump everything into Ohm. And then like from there, like once you scale up to have enough liquidity and it's stable, quote unquote, then you can like have like a little bit more volatile assets. Yep. Got it. It sounds like, like ohm is trying to be like the imf sdr of crypto <laughs> <laughs> like like it's kind of this like central monetary authority where like all liquid like it's a central place of liquidity where like if you need to like move like hopefully in the future like what you guys are hoping for like if you need to move in size you do it through ohm and like ohm has the power to do that because of its inherent flexibility of not being pegged to anything yeah yeah that's such a huge thing too right like the the it's la- really like- powerful yeah, not having the peg actually allows us to do like so many different things. And that's something that like we're really trying to explore. 
we have to shout out Frax because we're on flywheel, but like, honestly, <laughs> the, the AMO, like the way that Sam presented it and like the way that the AMOs that they've created have been like a huge, huge influence on like the way we're looking at these systems. And it's like, it is kind of amazing. Like you're, um, you're making this programmable, like, uh, as you guys say, the aut autonomous monetary authority, I think that's a great, uh, great label for it. And it's like, you're doing these things all on chain, which can like, you know, program liquidity into markets. And that's such an amazing thing. So yeah, as you said, like without the, without the peg, like it just allows us to do so yeah. many things. It's like, it's gives you a lot of power in that regard, but it must be such a struggle with like not being pegged. Cause like the whole world, we live, yeah. I like to say we live in an ocean of dollars. Like, oh, you know, yeah. this mic was like X amount of dollars. This cup of this glass was like X amount of dollars. Like mm -hmm. we literally live in this, like we're fish and we live in an aquarium of dollars. And like, even when like, I try to like get people familiar with not just like DeFi, but crypto and Bitcoin in general, you have to like mm -hmm. take them out of this, like dollar, you know, perspective vantage point world and be like, Hey, like there's a world that exists outside of the dollar. And like, yeah. I think that's why like, just like crypto is hard to understand in general it's because like most people are still in this like dollar like first world even yeah. like when people like trade like dogecoin they, they i have like friends like oh like the dog stocks are doing well i'm just like <laughs> but like that's like how the world we in we live in that's kind of like the uh the knowledge gap that we just kind of like have to deal with and like will it close who knows but like all mm -hmm. we can do is like what we're best at and that's like building yeah. building these one like, tools yeah one thing is like, uh, I, I tell people like, it's almost like an impossible task, right? But like, that's why it's fun to do it. Yeah, that's like, why it's that's, fun. Yeah. That's, why it's, that's why it's cool. That's why we're here. Like, it is almost like, it seems like an impossible thing, but I, I, I don't feel that way at heart. Like, I do think there's a need. And like, the more I talk to other protocols and like, we've been experiencing this a, a lot lately, like, as we talk to people and then like, we start presenting these ideas that people start seeing like, oh, okay, that actually solves yeah. a lot of problems that we have of our own it's like okay well there is something there right yeah. it's just about like okay we just have to pursue it and have a strong vision and a strong team to be able to and do it i think that you guys and frax have an incredibly symbiotic relationship because frax like both you guys can be like first users of each other's products exactly. like how yeah. like you guys were like the first major treasury to hold a lot of frax that's a big deal like mm -hmm. someone's just holding frax like that and then on the flip side, like Frax, like so I'll never forget that that Frax Ohm pool. Like I remember, mm -hmm. like my like my kind of like history with Ohm. Like I remember when you guys first launched, and I'm just like, whoa, what is this? I remember seeing that like Griper video in 2021 with all of them and like the togas with like oh, yeah. the music. <laughs> da, na, 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 na. I'm just like. I like this. I'm going to like get in it. But like, I was just like so unsure because like I have this rule when someone says like, oh, this is the next big Wi-Fi. Whenever like mm -hmm. someone's called something the next Wi-Fi, I just like get out. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just going to see, observe you guys for like a few months. And then like, honestly, like once that like Ohm Frax pool started, I was like, okay, I got like the Frax cosign. There must, mm -hmm. it must be like legit. And it's just been like, it's crazy. It's like honestly admirable to see how much you guys have evolved from there and like, you know, you guys like have gone through your dark time. I think that's really important for like every builder and every protocol is like go through this like time of like complete hopelessness and darkness. And like, you know, it's like, it looks like it's like about to fail. Like, because like you can't have the highs without the lows, but it's in the lows you like build character and you build Blindy. So like, yeah, yeah, see you guys for that. Yeah. I think, um, uh, one thing on like that part of like, okay, like the dark times and the, the crash that happened in January, like, um, there was, it, Obviously, it was like oh, no one wanted that, but yeah. um, but it did prove some systems out, which was like very interesting to me as like a as a dev there. Like, 
for example, protocol on liquidity turned out to be like a very, very important thing, right? It allowed all debts to be repaid. Everything, you know, like there's still liquid markets. No one pull, pulled liquidity in in a time when a crash happens. Like that normally happens in like a lot of a lot of cases, right? So uh, yeah, I just I just think that like there's a lot of things that we learned in that time, as you said. Yeah, yeah. Like I think if I'm not mistaken, right? Like Frax probably had an AMO into some of those uh, uh, Rari pools, right? And there was a three hundred million dollar like ish deleveraging of debt from that, and there was no bad debt like realized, right? Because that was like proving out with like what the, what the treasury was there for, right? Like yeah. basically this like benevolent market maker um absorbing all those cells um and i totally agree with you like i think even from the early days and coming to the protocol as an outsider i i and i said this to like i remember saying this to zeus like day like day zero it's like there's going to be this big run up and the big come down like when the market comes down like the proof is what you do afterwards mm -hmm. yeah and exactly so, and i want to like kind of get into like how how did you guys get involved in like ohm like when did you guys did you guys run like right off the bat where you guys just retail and then you just like slowly started getting involved in the DAO more and more like what what have your experiences like been as a builder? Jelly, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I, I came to the protocol um, like yeah, as retail. Um, um, you know, I'd been in. Uh, I was just interested in like I was stable curious. I, Stable I curious. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I just thought like those were the most interesting projects, um, and I tried to keep an eye on what was going on in the market. Um, and Olympus caught my eye um, very early on, like pre-launch. Um, and so you know, um, I just tried to get involved any way I could. And when the DAO first formed, just tr started contributing. Um, and one thing led to another. Um, and you know, I was in, I was involved in a lot of different stuff like over the course of the year. And then ended up joining full time in March. Uh, you know, I was doing like stuff in TradFi prior to that, and and left to go full time this past March. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Indigo? Yeah. Uh, so I I quit my job because I hated it during COVID. <laughs> I think many people Hell yeah. did, right? <laughs> yeah. Leave that shit. Uh, Leave that yeah. shit behind. And then uh, when DeFi summer happened, I was like, you know, I was supposed to be like studying, like, you know, working to learn stuff. And then like, dude, DeFi summer came and I was like, I can't, I literally could not look away. I was just the like, the fields absorbed. are calling. The yields yeah, are exactly. calling. Dude, it was crazy. Dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Early DeFi was so fucking fun. It was like the early internet, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I got my first gig at uh, Yam Finance. I was working as wow. a front end dev. And then, whoa. So, yeah. And then, you're a front-end dev at, at Yam? At Yam, yeah. Wow. Did you help make that UI? <laughs> no, no, no. I was okay. after all the craziness. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, and then Ohm came up and I was like, okay, like, it, once you, oh, one thing about Ohm, and I, I hear this a lot, especially when I go meet people and when I talk to other old Ohmies, is like, um, there's like, obviously the high APY and stuff, you know, everyone has their opinion about it, but one thing that about ohm is that like once there's a certain people who like when they especially in the beginning when they started learning about the protocol and it started clicking like oh shit like okay i see how this thing works that that's why i think even now like we have the effect we have such smart people in our community and it's because like it's such an interesting like protocol design right yeah and so that's kind of what attracted me as well so um eventually uh they needed help for the v2 stuff i was i was already building on top of them so 
I was like, okay, I'll just help you guys out. And then, <laughs> then now I'm the lead. <laughs> Hell yeah. So yeah. what are some lessons you've, you've learned, um, since becoming an OMI builder? Like, especially like that hype cycle was insane. Like, oh, yeah. how'd you guys like keep a level head and like, what are like some things you realize like being a builder that you didn't realize before? Yeah. Um, I can go first. I think, uh, like, especially during like hype cycle was crazy because of like anyone who was there before. And then like, you started seeing like Grimes tweeting three, three, like it was just fucking <laughs> crazy, dude. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> Tim Ferriss was tweeting three, three. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane. Uh, and then the forks started happening. I was getting issues in the GitHub, um, asking like, Hey, how do I fork? this on you know <laughs> xy chain you know that like no one's ever heard of it was so weird um but yeah it was cool like um it was really unexpected um mm -hmm. uh you asked like what are the lessons learned right mm -hmm. yeah i think um obviously like not letting it get to our heads was important i think uh i think everyone in the dao was like very cautious right like and that's why we for example we kept our treasury in all stables right even though like you know, we were the biggest protocol at one point, like a blah, blah, blah. But like, we still kept like such a conservative view and it's saved our ass like multiple times. You know what I mean? So like, mm -hmm. um, just being humble, I guess, like from the Dow, um, also like not getting too attached to everything is like things like come and go. This market is crazy. And like, um, also like just being more careful of like our protocol design, like there's a lot of unintended consequences for some of the things that we had um and like you know like it's arguable that maybe we should have done certain things like in hindsight uh for example like maybe we should have bonded more liquidity maybe we should have done other things but like um i think there was a lot of systems that were like out of our control at that time so it was just hard you know um so yeah and also like taking breaks <laughs> that's another yeah. important one jala what you got Oh man, a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of lessons learned from like a policy side for sure. Like I it's like almost too many. Um, and I think part of that was also like, it just got so big so fast that I don't think like we were ready to harness like what had happened. Um, and that kind of like was part of the, the big run up also driven by leverage, right? And the ability oh like, my God. Not, like, yeah. and no ability yeah. to control that whatsoever. Tetranode's uh, locker. Yeah, right. Dude, so that's like totally crazy. out of our hands. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and you mentioned you mentioned like shorting earlier, right? It would have been nice to have the like ability, like if we could have gotten that open, right? Like to counterbalance some of that leverage. Because mm -hmm. that was never like stuff that we that was never value that the protocol could harness. Mm -hmm. It was always this like um Damocles hanging over us, right? And Damocles. Yeah. I like that. Wait, what does that word mean? I that's a sort of, like, like, sort of sword. Damocles. Yeah, sort, Damocles. sort of like sort of Dan, like hanging over your head, oh, right? Yeah. Like you know it's gonna drop and cut your head off eventually, right? And so like I remember it's like like being so cautious in those days when we probably should have been like a little bit more aggressive. We didn't mm -hmm. want to do anything to like 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 bond bond more to push the price down. We don't want to cause liquidation cascades and hurt people, but like we were in this like really untenable position. Um, so just learned a lot on the policy side and. Like human nature side there i think like yeah. the, fork, the fork thing was um yeah. really showed us like uh the dark side of crypto i think yeah uh, very early on um, what do you mean by that i i think just people just like i think like, we were like really earnest builders like mm -hmm. trying to like put this goal, specific goal in mind um to build this currency and people just uh bastardized the the concept um as money just types. happens at forks 
Yeah, yeah, yeah right. and I think yeah. like it, it, it took a while. I mean, we're still, I think, like um, dealing with some of like the taint from that. Yeah, right? or like we're associated with that. Um, I I think it was always interesting, like because like they weren't just fork the protocol; they would fork the docs, and like every doc was like, "We're aiming <laughs> to be this like reserve currency of DeFi," and they're like some random ohm fork. I'm like, "What the fuck chain is this?" <laughs> like it's yeah. just like so. It's like once you got to like that point, it's just like. It's kind of like a game of like musical chairs and like when you hear like the music stop, you got to like it's you knew it was going to stop eventually. And like, yeah. it sounds like Omis are like builders first and like especially the people on the core team realize like, OK, like this come up, this run up is here. It's fucking crazy. We have to keep our heads leveled as much as possible and like not get distracted. And there was like so many different distractions, whether it was like celebrities tweeting 3-3, whether it was like forks forking around and finding out. Well, there was like the whole run up on like the money markets and then like, you know, I'm sure and like whether there's stuff like internally, externally, like so many like different factors like that play that like that really like tested your like tenacity, grit and like being able to like focus on like what's important. And then eventually like the whatever, the Diocles just like chops, like <laughs> fell down and, you know, the cascades happened. It was like very bloody, very ready. But like that was like a f much needed flushing that was needed for you guys to kind of evolve to the, ne the next stage of them. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that sticks out for me also is like the need for continuing education in this space. There's mm -hmm. so much turnover, right? And sometimes like people, the only, the only thing people are paying attention to is price. Yeah. And, and just, just like, hate it. <laughs> yeah, and the need, that's like, that's like the only signal. Um, and like the protocols or the DAO's responsibility, um, like for that continuing education, I think is a really big lesson for me. And mm -hmm. like, you know, especially like thinking about um, the posture towards commenting on all those forks, like how you deal mm -hmm. with that. And um, yeah, there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of learnings there. Well, yeah, I want to get into like the fork season more. Like what was it like during the fork era? And like, like how did you guys react to the mania around it and all the madness around it? trying to remember um it was I, I just remember like it was very upsetting to be honest again mm -hmm. like it was drawing a lot of attention and capital out of the protocol but again we always knew it was going to end badly and like it would reflect on us yeah, yeah. uh and there was just nothing to do about it <laughs> yeah no i i, I mean Jala, if, so, if like, you could go back like stable coins especially like algo stables talk about would you talk about something that's like looked down anything upon. Wait, go ahead. Uh, no, I just wanted to ask uh, Jala while he was policy lead back then, like during the run up and all the hype with all the forks, there was a ton of attention on Olympus. How would you take advantage of the kind of the price of Olympus, you know, breaking 1K and the treasury must have been like quite massive at that point? Did you wish you had gone back and crank up the protocol on liquidity, offered even more bonds? Like, what would you do differently? And how would Ohm look today if you had acted that way? Um, so just to clarify, I was never the head of policy. We have very capable folks. Uh, yeah. I'm just I'm just a pleb, uh, you know, <laughs> part of the policy team. Uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. What I think is that I wish we could have been more aggressive in selling reserve bonds actually and not liquidity bonds or both mm -hmm. right just because what happened was you ended up having this like huge run-up driven by leverage and then it was extremely pvp right where it's like these third parties who came in and were able to extract value out of the protocol whereas if the protocol was able to take in more of that value it could have preserved it for holders 
Mm-hmm. But I think we were too reticent to like be really aggressive during that time. Um, because of this, like I said, like this, like leverage chain, it's kind of like this, like, um, debt overhang and, um, the yeah, da- I, it, what's it called? Da- the Damocles. The Damocles. 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 Like Damocles. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't, you know, who knows what like the real right answer is, but I've always felt that way. Yeah. I, um, I, I agree with you. I think we could have been more aggressive. Obviously it was very hard at the time. Like no one. No one had seen anything like this. It was like, you know, everyone's just trying to figure this shit out as it's going. Like, you know, um, it was very hard. Um, All people knew it was like 3-3. Yeah, dude. It was, it it got like really out of hand. What a brilliant meme, by the way. Like, kudos to you. Like, it's like being able to like, I mean, whether it was like accurate or not, like being able to like encapsulate like what your protocol is trying to do at a given moment and just like such like a short like in such like a small capsule but it ex- mm-hmm. explains so much it was can like, i uh yeah jolly can i go to where that came from yeah 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 Please. okay <laughs> all right so i had a conversation with zeus a while ago about this i was like dude where did 3-3 come from because everyone thinks like oh he's like this game theory like master or some shit <laughs> you know dude he's like yeah i uh after the launch um someone mentioned game theory so he read the wikipedia article and he's like oh we're kind of like this so he made this table and he's like oh yeah three three is like you're aligned with the treasury and then that's that was literally it then he made the post and from there it was like then it just got so out of hand (laughs) the the post itself if i recall i haven't seen it in a while like i'm pretty sure it's like do not take this seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take it seriously. It's, not it's financial like, advice. Yeah. It's like three uh, three is the same thing as hodl, right? Like you're yeah, trying to exactly. do something. Yeah. You're trying to do something really bold, and you want to like have this collective and people like join mm. together and align themselves to accomplish the goal. Three three is hodl. It literally right? is the same thing. And then, and then people just started to like get really serious about the game theory, and I don't know if that was. I have to go back, and I don't know how much of that is on like some of the protocol contributors who were leaning very hard into it. You know, it's like all these things get really muddled between like what the protocol itself was doing and what certain people yeah. that were part of the protocol were doing. Right. And yeah. I just don't know how it became like the meme is really good. Right. So I get yeah, why it proliferated, true. but I don't yeah. know like why people, um, like well, why it became like this serious, like game theory thing. Cause it was, yeah. it's, it's not. And it was, it's yeah. never supposed there to were be. like, uh, like a few different things that like, I feel like they're, Olympus became such a phenomenon and like you had people like creating whether like their own memes from like certain things or like their own like even like diff ideas or like getting their own ideas from what the protocol was saying. Um, like one thing I remember was I remember when everybody had it uh, like on their Twitter banner, like yeah. they're earning like 10,000% APY. Yeah. Like did like some like community member create that and just like take a life of its own. Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> but, but, that's what, but that's what that's what I mean. Where like that's you can't control that though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. The thing yeah. is, the DAO became too big at some point. It's like there was no oh. any. You know, everyone just kind of did their own thing. It just became like it was just crazy. Yeah, there was like no like standards and no like yeah. guys. This is like the line we have to like you know we have to like keep things like at bay in like this regard. Exactly. That actually leads to like the, like the next thing I want to go into is the, the Dow part of Ohm because you know, there's a lot of talk around DAOs and like this and that, like how I'm wearing like this Gitcoin jacket right now. And they've thought about DAOs a lot. Um, how do you think the Ohm DAO evolved from like the way it started? Um, what are like, how has it like, how did it operate at first? And like now how does it operate? And like, 
overall, like with your experience with DAOs, do you think DAOs are a feasible model for protocols to like rely on in the future? Yeah, I think it's really cool, actually. Uh, I don't want to, like, I feel like we are, I don't even know what it means to be a real DAO. I feel like we're a real DAO. And it's really cool how this collective of people coalesced around the founding team to build out this like organism. So, mm. you know, there's like 40 something odd contributors today. Like only a few of those are part of like the original team. And it was just the community members who were excited by the idea and the mission and came together. And I'm thinking back to when the DAO formed in like last May or June, I forget exactly. A very flat structure and just like really cool how people like no one was promised any payment or anything. Um, I remember like one day, like we were just shocked where like there was a discord bot that sent us some stuff. Right. But it was like, people were just excited to contribute. Um, and then over time, like went through a lot of iterations. I think we got like huge, um, enormous and like in October, November, uh, like there was, like got up to like 150 people, um, 150 people. Contributing, dude, right? That's massive. That's huge. It's a huge organization. It's too much, dude. Yeah, dude. It's too much. And then, and then, well, we realized it was it was huge and um, started to like rein it in a little bit. And then around March of this year, um, there was definitely a feeling amongst the contributors that they're just like needed to have a little more of a hierarchical structure um, and just have like better responsibilities. Wait, wait, repeat that. They needed a hierarchical structure. Yeah, a little, a little bit, like a little just bit. a little, a little more structure to the DAO, right? Where people like, um, just like understood responsibilities, uh, and so the council was formed um, to help just like structure that and and just like um, streamline operations, I guess, um, and just you know have like an ultimate body who could um, like better organize the protocol, uh, and so it's been a really cool evolution, I would say, right? Like completely organic. Um, yeah. And, and it's, so, a, it's an organism. I think that's the main yeah, part. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Indigo, like what are your thoughts? Uh, I think like um, I I was there. Like I kind of came up like right. I was in the DAO as a like just a contributor early, and then like I kind of joined when like the whole ramp up came up, and um, it was weird. It's it's very interesting. It's like uh, as you said, it's like an organism. So like this organism was kind of growing. Each part of it was growing itself. Right. And then it becomes like, okay, well, like now this, this part of it became too big and it's like, okay, but there's no central structure to like kind of regulate it or anything. So, and then that central structure formed over time. Right. It, 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 it really is like a organism where, you know, everything at some point, you know, things grow and then they contract and like, yeah, it's just, it's just very interesting that way. Um, yeah. I think like DAOs, um, as far as like in general, I think DAOs are extremely interesting it's really awesome that i can just like join a discord ask like hey what do you guys need and if i have the skills i can just kind of join and there's no barriers or anything i can just work wherever i want that's really cool um but as far as like i've been bearish on DAOs too as well like sometimes i see like um could could something have worked better if it was just like a small team working with like a focus like maybe but like um yeah, but there's trade-offs to everything, right? So mm -hmm. yeah, I think. Um, oh yeah, go I, I kind of want to. I, I kind of want to double-click into the the other side of the DAO, like you know the general member, if you know per mm -hmm. se. Like, how have you seen 
that cohort of uh, community members change from you know the early early days of olympus to like the hypest of days and to kind of the come down per se like uh as far as the members in the dome as, as, as the general members like you see a lot of people the holders in, and stuff yeah the holders mm -hmm. like are they like when lambo when lambo or is it oh, much oh. more like you know let's build the future together or yeah, are they I, like you know is anyone here <laughs> yeah yeah no i i would say funny enough like a lot of the contrib contributors who are here now are the same contributors who were there like you know the very very early contributors i think jala would agree there wow and that's yeah, impressive yeah yeah it is and wow. and it's because as i said before it's like there's a certain type of people like once the once the protocol clicks it becomes like this very and the vision clicks it's like okay it's a very interesting thing where a lot of people are here because not for you know whatever they're here because like they they just find it fascinating that's how that's why i'm here right and uh, that's why many <clears throat> many of us are here um as far as like the contributors, I, I never got that image that like, yeah, like the Wen Lambo crowd, like those guys don't give a shit about the Tao. They're just there, you know, they're just there for, you know, the hype and then they leave when the hype is gone. Um, the people who are contributors, I have nothing but respect for and good things to say. Like, I've been really, really impressed with the contributors who work, who I work with. Like, they're some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. So, yeah. Yeah. I think what would you guys say? So I as well as ask this no, last you go, question. Like, right. yeah. I, I I feel like not enough DAOs kind of publish this. Um, but what would you say is your contributor retention rate? Um, so it depends where you're starting from, right? So like, if you're starting from the very beginning, then like, yeah, okay, the DAO is like pretty much the same size it was when it started, or like you know a little after it started. Um, but at its peak, obviously, we had to cut down quite a bit, right? Um, it's kind of interesting. It's like the opposite of like hiring. Hiring, you do like a lot of pre-selection and then you try to find people, right? Who are like fit your culture. And mm -hmm. then the DAO is the opposite. It's like anyone can join and then like you just have attrition over time and the people who are like most focused and right. um, are like the most, you know, motivated, they stay. So um, yeah, as far as like uh, retention, like I think the people who, as I said, like the people who've been there since the beginning are still here. So yeah, it's it's pretty high from like a core group of yeah. people, I would say. Got it. Would you put like yeah, was... three out of four members are still here? If you were to do an average across, like seventy five percent on the contributor side. Yeah, um, on the contributor side. From like the beginning, it's actually it might be close to that. Yeah, I think it's yeah, pretty... I think that's like a decent number actually yeah on, on average, i'm just, I'm just like doing, doing it off the top of my head but like thinking yeah, yeah, of like exactly. people um it's like a pretty good amount Damn. yeah i was gonna ask like you know you mentioned before like you had to implement standards as a dao and you know i went to mcon a month ago and i remember like like <laughs> it was funny at mcon i went to mcon two years ago or like the first mcon and it was just like you know kumbaya like you know every everything's like great like you know DAOs are it's very idealist but then like this past year at MCON it was more like oh we got to get our shit together like we have to yeah. like, enforce these standards like wait we need to have like um we need to have like people accountable and I remember this one thing that Joseph DeLong said at ETH Denver was like hierarchies just form naturally and if you don't exactly. have like 
a basically like a pathway for hierarchies to form, then like the wrong people get into positions of leadership. It's just nature just works in hierarchies. And you just need to like make sure that the right people are like the ones with the proper responsibilities, like look and have the best interests of the protocol at heart. Yeah. Um, and so like, I guess like, how do you guys, so you guys have a leadership council. So like, how do you guys like form this leadership council? And then like, how do you guys maintain standards within your DAO? So the, yeah, the leadership council formed again earlier this year. Um, there was a general feeling amongst the contributors we need more structure, and so um, there was a vote amongst all the contributors uh, to elect like members to the council. So I like to think it was merit based, and um, you know, and then it was proposed to the community as an idea uh, and ratified. Do you guys have a quarterly yes. review system or some way to yep. keep the council accountable? Yeah, so um, the council publishes quarterly reports, and then I think there's like a six months check in with the community, um, and like reevaluating the council. Those, it's not intended to be like a permanent status at all. Are those reports public, or are they internal reports? Public. Okay. Yeah, so the Q3 one should be—it's almost done. Should be coming out soon. A little bit of a lag from the end of the quarter to when it comes out, but yes. should be out pretty soon. Has there been any removals from the council? Not yet. Um, we have at the end of the year though, we will have our first like community, like check-in. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to get into the OM token a bit more, not in more so in like gov or more so governance of OM. Cause you have mm -hmm. like, from what I understand, you just have like OM, which you're trying to make this reserve currency, but it's also, I mean, like I check snapshot, people vote with their OM too. So is there like, what's the plan for OM governance in the future? Do you plan to do something like like a separate governance token do you plan to have maybe like quadratic voting do you plan to do something completely novel like what do you guys are thinking for the future of own governance uh so um it's a good question yeah like most most protocols will have like a separate governance token um i think it's especially necessary for like stablecoin protocols um just because like one token has to maintain a peg right mm -hmm. and then the other one can be free floating or whatever um, the way I look at it, um, I think that uh, having the, especially like what our token is trying to be, the token is trying to be a currency, which is like actually has value in itself. itself. Um, I think in that case, like if you look at it, if you imagine like, uh, I think we're all Americans here. Um, so like if you imagine like your senators, if they had to stake like dollars, right, and they could be slashed, would that make you feel better or worse? That would make me feel better if they if they were right? slashed. Yeah, that's sounds... if that a cost to it, right? If yeah. that a cost to it, and like the the cost is like, uh, like actually money that they're losing in case they like act uh, against like what everyone wants them to act, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's how I, I kind of look at it. Like the governance token, I don't I don't think we need a governance token as long as the voters and like the people who are you know if you want to think of them like politicians, then they're the one they're actually like putting up. Uh, ohm that can like be slashed, right? Yeah, like a bond, exactly. So, so that, yeah. this is, uh, go ahead. No, obviously, that's a really cool idea. Um, like, let's say if you're like on the leadership council, you have to have like X amount of ohm, like locked and like staked. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not even, and for like, I like even just like that alone without slashing is like a really good idea. Um, yeah. And in terms of like, I guess like a way like the community can like, you know, show their disapproval is through like, slashing or like making the tokens like 
you know, locked for a longer period of time. That's a really interesting governance concept because it really aligns like the yeah. leadership with like the protocol. Yeah. Shout out to my friend fully allocated. He's, uh, he's fully been helping allocated. us. Yeah. He's been making us, he's been, uh, writing the governance with the rest of the DAO. And, um, so that's actually, I was leading up to like what our governance system is. So like we're actually rewriting, we're not using like the compound governor or the open Zeppelin governor or anything. We're actually rewriting governance from the, from the first principles. Oh, can, we, um, can you go into that more? Yeah, uh, I I will not go into details just because I don't want to screw it up. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I hope once it's launched, fully will do like a, a post on it and like all the ideas because it's it's very original in, in my eyes. Oh, um, but yeah. but the idea is that like uh, it's it's opt-in governance, right? So like you actually have to put up tokens to be able to vote and like you essentially are like a politician in the system right so uh you stake your tokens and then you actually vote per on proposals and mm -hmm. as i said right like the system uh the protocol is built around this governance system where the 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 protocol can grow right the new new systems can be added that can be whitelisted for integrations and things like that right and this is all doable through the governance it's like um it's kind of hard to explain without like looking at like okay how the actual code is written but uh yeah that's kind of how it is so yeah. it is built around like opt-in governance essentially though okay so you like basically yeah. stake your tokens and then with your stake you're like yeah. allowed to is it, i guess it's kind of similar to vefxs in the sense that yeah. like you get like a boost or like mm -hmm. you know cool i wonder like do you guys see in the future like having like this direct democracy system or do you guys see having more of a representative system or maybe like something else entirely? Um, I, I'm not quite sure. I think one of the, one of the things I'm very much like an incrementalist, I want to see like a small thing and then like it grow like a simple system that grows complex rather than, uh, you know, designing a complex, fully complex system. Um, I think that like, Right now, it'll be like representative, um, but the representation is opt-in, right? Anyone, mm -hmm. anyone can be a representative. You just stake your tokens and now you're a representative, right? Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Uh, as far as like things like a allowing quadratic voting, you know, it'll always be like a direct uh, democracy, I guess, but you're just opting into the direct democracy. Um, maybe we can implement like quadratic voting. There's pro issues with the uh, civil civil attacks with yeah. uh and that's the only issue i i really like quadratic voting though i think we should explore it later but um yeah we're just keeping it simple trying to like work from first principles and like rethinking these things and uh fixing them as they come yeah so the monetary policy will be autonomous um mm -hmm. and then with like governance like what do you think are like some issues and topics that the own holders will vote on uh, so like expanding the protocol. Okay. So like so general, for like example, what, yeah. yeah. So like uh, adding um, adding new modules into the system. That's going to be a huge one. Um, uh, e even like you know allocation of assets, things like that will be voted on. Mm -hmm. um, there is a you know it's a question like how much can how much bandwidth do voters actually have to actually vote on issues? Like it's a it's a question that like everyone right now the. The general, you know, we've only seen the compound governor essentially, um, and like it doesn't. Most most protocols don't get much governance participation, but like we'll see. Like I think uh, I think we're doing like a different model, and we'll try to see how how well it works, and then we'll adapt. Yeah, kudos to I you guys. I guess think of any ways. Yeah, yeah. 
I've, no, for one sure, last thing I was going to say. I was going to kudos to you guys because I feel like governance is like one of those areas of DAOs and DeFi that hasn't really evolved too much yet. Like everyone's just forking com- Compound Governor or Bravo or, or, exactly. or something. And so like, and you know, we want to like build this like new system mm-hmm. from like the ground up. We can't just rely on like one thing or just rely on like snapshot voting and this and that. Like we're yeah. going to like need, and I think it's quite fitting and organic, especially with the way like Olympus formed and like how you guys like created this like, um, like core of builders and it just like makes sense like how organically you're attracted builders and organically you're kind of evolving your own governance yeah the idea is like to become like a truly decentralized system right like mm-hmm. okay you can imagine with a truly with like a with a modular system that can grow via governance like you can imagine political parties forming right like maybe there's a second DAO that forms that also wants to fight for like, you know, certain proposals on, mm-hmm. on the system. But the underlying system is like, you know, that's your nation state, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and like there's different parties that are trying to- Your network you know, state. It. Network state, there we go. <laughs> exactly. Because yeah. Yeah. like, as I'm, you know, sitting here and kind of listening, I, I feel like, how are you going to incentivize like voters to come out and actually participate? Because all yeah. these decisions are like, really critical and especially at the beginning of the adoption phase right mm-hmm. and i feel having a central leadership council that, that you guys have kind of make the initial decisions work with other doubt to doubt directly and build it out until it reaches a kind of an inflection point where it's you know of enough importance that it touches enough people like imagine ohm is like the base pair against 30 percent of all liquidity in DeFi. At that mm-hmm. moment in time, every token holder of like all the other DAO and all the other governance tokens would want to have a vote um, on yeah. Olympus. Like, yep. That's like, right. Should, should, should you kind of, I don't want to say gate governance, but kind of like shepherd governance and handhold governance all the way until you get there and then let it open? Uh, that's a good question. Like, I think the natural tendency is for us to like protect things. Um, but I think like, as long as the treasury is secure, um, and like not, if we can like at least prevent that, I think like where voters take it, I think like you should let it happen. I, that's my personal Mm. opinion. Um, I, I don't think like having, I think like having a central planning and stuff is good for now, especially as we're like learning and we're, uh, but I think like in the far future, ideally it would be fully open to whoever, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just let the system grow, like let it become what it, what it will be. I think, uh, one piece of that is like the algorithmic monetary policy, right? Like, so if you can, if you can at least like, um, automate that. So it's not such like a huge honeypot, like, okay, yeah. then it becomes like now, now, you know, everyone can kind of, you have a little more security there. Uh, Jala, what do you think? curious oh man um yeah yeah i i i'm uh i don't have a lot of thoughts on this topic let's but... hear it <laughs> yeah let's hear it <laughs> no i mean i you know it's just not my like real area of expertise and um yeah i, I there's a lot of slanted directions we can go yeah what's the first thing that comes to mind <laughs> yeah on which part <laughs> Um, which there's so many different things we for, for, for me, incentivizing <laughs> voters to come on because these are really, really critical decisions on kind of expanding the the protocol, right? 
Yeah, I, I think it's really like um, early on, it has to be like a big education push, right? I think the people who are, who are like who stuck around right through the bear market are very invested in the protocol. I'm not listening like financially, but um, you know, like they, they've taken the time and it's um, they want to be here. Um, and it's about just, uh, I think, education. Um, and really, if you ask people to participate, I think they will, especially like, um, if you have that core of a community. Um, I think that's the only way, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you want to like incentivize like participation monetarily. I don't think that's a good sustainable system. Um, you get really bad outcomes that way when you skew the incentives. Uh, so I think it's almost taking advantage of the bear market in that sense and understanding who the people are that are involved in the protocol today um, and drawing that out of them. Hmm. I think um, I would actually... I have a different perspective. I, I think like um, I think governance is always financialized, like whether we try to be or not, like it kind of becomes that no matter what. I think Sammy um, would agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, well, I, well, well, do you mean like I agree in that like people will vote with their incentives? Yeah. Right. But not But I, I was just making the point about not further adding on. Right. Like financial incentives to skew like those other incentives. Right. Sorry, go ahead, but I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, um, I I think that uh, there's this article that came out last year. It was called Governance Mining. And it was very interesting where, like, rather than, like, you know, yield uh, liquidity mining where you incentivize liquidity, you actually incentivize governance in, like, different ways. And I, I think it was very interesting. Like, I think especially if you want, like, this um, this... Uh, this class of like voters, uh, I think they might have to be incentivized inherently through the system, right? But yeah, it, obviously it's an extremely hard problem. It's like, how do you incentivize people to not be acting maliciously? Like you, yeah, I, I don't know. If it's big questions. <laughs> yeah. Did, have you guys looked at um, how many other DAOs hold OM and like what the makeup of that looks like? Frax is a big holder, right? Yep. Uh, Frax is a big holder. Um, obviously, Redacted is a large holder. Uh, yeah, there's a good amount of DAOs, like through DAO swaps and others, and others that have bought um, and some like that have done flex loans. Uh, uh, so there's definitely a good amount that are like in friendly hands, I would say. But sorry, yeah, where were you, what was the uh, second part? I mean, to cut Cause, you off. Because the, the, the reason I was trying to get down that road is I'd imagine the leaders of the respective DAOs that hold a lot of Olympus token obviously cares a lot about, you know, DeFi and also cares a lot about their own treasury holdings. So maybe you could have a leadership council of DAOs to kind of come and help the voting so you can yeah. get like a little uh, ecosystem. Maybe they can community. be like an advisory council. Yeah, we, we definitely want those protocols participating, right? Because as I said, I think a lot of the go-to-market early on is very focused on protocols right. and DAOs, right? And so mm -hmm. those are going to be your stake, like your large stakeholders early on. Um, and so for 100%, it's a great point that we want them participating. And do, do you want it to get to um, almost incestuous point? Like, I don't I want to use that word, but you know how like Frax owns <laughs> Convex, yes. owns curve. <laughs> yeah, and then the Convex owns Curve, and then but Convex also owns a ton of FXS, and it's just Frax you know, owns a bunch of Convex. Yeah, yeah. It, it just becomes a lot of uh, you know really really uh, closely knitted. It's like a confederation. Gun. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. That's like the I looked at as like meta. Uh, 
I hate that word, <laughs> but Not, mm -hmm. like meta stability, right? Where everyone's kind of interested in keeping each other afloat and like in their best interests, right? I think that's a good thing. We're all, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think someone wrote an article about this, like, I feel like late last year about Olympus Pro and Olympus, like taking in all these governance tokens and like those protocols now becoming aligned with the success of Olympus. Uh, uh, it's kind of this like uh, diplomacy, right? holding each other's governance tokens yeah i wonder if there's a future you know right now we have like token voting governance but let's say like you know frax has a bunch of olympus if frax elects a like olympus representative or an olympus like a frax olympus diplomat and then like vice yeah, versa exactly. you guys yeah or like you know you guys are like um yeah i mean whoever holds like fxs i'm not sure if do you guys hold fxs as well as long side yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you guys like, you know, likewise, elect like a diplomat into like Fraxland. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure this is like where like the future is heading. It's just like hasn't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. There, I mean, there's also there's a ton of like work being done on governance models, like aside just from straight token models, um, you know, uh, on the stable coin side, I think like you've seen like Volt and Vcon are doing interesting things there with the veto, like Lido is doing the same thing. Um, and then even going beyond that model, like, uh, I think Luca Prosperi is, is doing a lot of research on that, on that end. Um, they formed a DAO, is it Joker DAO? I forget the name of it to explore some of these concepts. And so, um, we're just watching, um, I think, um, we take very seriously, but we're not jumping into it. And, um, I think the space, it's still very early and looking for the optimal design for, are you, are you talking about for like DAO diplomacy or are you, are you talking about like another oh, Government in general, but yeah, uh, yeah I think part, I think the DAO diplomacy thing like ties into that. Mm -hmm. uh, Man, yeah, I, yeah. I can totally see this future of like instead of the UN, you have the UD, the United DAOs, mm -hmm. and everyone just like, <laughs> yeah. sits on this I mean, castle. Like, what, yeah. what, I mean, right now we're like I don't know. Which, I'm not sure what, the, what was the last time a DeFi TVL is like. I mean, at its peak, it was like 250 billion, but now it's. I don't like, like to look at it anymore. No, I don't like to look at it. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, it, we'll just say it's like down bad from that. But like, yeah. you know, if we have a future of like trillions of dollars of TVL, you know, there, there's going to be a lot to keep track of. And in order yeah. to keep track of it, you're going to have to like elect diplomats. I guess like for yeah. like, in, in a sense, like these protocols are network states. And what do states have? Diplomats. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a, gov a, a governance romantic, a diplo romantic here. <laughs> it's a yeah, 56 billion, 56 billion, 56 billion. Oh my Lama. god! Courtesy of Thank you, Lama. 56 yeah. billion. Oh yes. my god! Yeah. Um, at, at the peak, uh, let me see here. It was about it was 180. It was, it was 180. 180. I, I, I oh, think the Lama cleans it up like really well for you. Oh, so, 180. Yeah. yeah. It's 180 to 55. Well, <laughs> honestly. I know this might sound like horny and niche, but like I really do think we're early. We're so early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're early, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I just have like like a little hunch that we're early, but uh, but yeah, like right. yeah, but you know, but, but it's all about like building for like the rails for like the next cycle and for like mm -hmm. the next hundreds of billions, if not trillions, of dollars to like mm -hmm. get into DeFi. Yeah, uh, well, you know the. Um... The journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? So Jala, what is the first <laughs> DAO that you're going to kind of approach to, you know, test out the adoption of the V3? Um, in terms of the, um, saying like some of the liquidity stuff, 
anything like because you guys are kind of yeah. in this pilot mode right like you you, you got to pick some pilot partners who's kind of like yeah. top of mind for you right now who's your co-pilot yeah, yeah i think um not necessarily choosing one but i think the liquid staking derivatives that i alluded to earlier um is, is the uh, leader in the clubhouse for me yeah. oh, oh okay okay so liquid staking derivatives who's who's the second cohort um i see stable coin protocols as like very closely tied to that Right. So like, again, thinking about like uh, high quality assets, so stable coins that you feel good about, um, like another like really good avenue for own liquidity, um, where we can provide liquidity to them and they to us, insure mm -hmm. um, each other up. So I see that and like scaling that kind of mirroring our own liquidity, which is in stable coins and ETH today. Right. And so like scaling that out, like in tandem, uh, I think, you know, that's how I envision it going. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, I kind of want to get into actually, you know, there's all these different stablecoin designs or reserve currency designs. You obviously have like you guys, Olympus, unpegged, not pegged to anything. You have Frax, which is pegged, but then you have like FPI, which is pegged to the consumer price index. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on like FPI and this kind of this other way to go about um, stablecoins? I think it just serves like to me. It's a totally different purpose. Um, like that is um, a stable coin that um, just you know where you don't lose purchasing power relative to a reference asset, or in this case, like the dollar, mm -hmm. um, right? But still pegged, and maybe think of it as like in between. But mm -hmm. um, you still don't have, and I think that's definitely like a use case for that, or an appetite for that. Uh, but it's 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 a little bit different in that. Um, you don't have that monetary policy flexibility, right? Because that is backed one-to-one, -one, right? And you're still beholden to the peg there, even though it's a moving peg. Um, so it's like kind of sits in between like the way I view them. Mm, got it. Well, what about you, Indigo? Yeah, I think uh, I think FPI and I think it's like, I wish we, we would use more of those because then I wouldn't have to worry about the yield. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I could just park my money in there and then just transact with that. That would be really nice. Um, I think it's, it solves, like, a very big problem. But as I agree with Jala, I think it's a very different product or, mm -hmm. like, a different token than the way that we are, right? I think um, our peg is, like, a, a lot more flexible than, than FPIs um, or uh, I think Volts as well. So, yeah. Mm, got it. Hmm. Um, one, oh. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was gonna say like one one issue that we all have in common though of like any of the unpegged like you know us Rye FPI is like uh, you can't use a lot of the infrastructure that's built for stable coins. So I could see like um, all of us, it's in our best interest to have like liquidity with each other because it actually makes like all of us stronger. And I think uh, Sam has that like uh, Sam. Sam is like really big on that, right? Like that we all are much stronger together. And I think like especially true for these unpegged, um, unpegged assets. Yeah. Developing a flywheel per se between yeah. these protocols. Yeah. A liquidity flywheel. One token, bro. One... <laughs> <laughs> no, I was kidding, bro. Um, they're okay. going to get after you now. <laughs> so, so, so for, for Frax, right? Like you would do this thing called Frax Check every Tuesday where we kind of check the metrics across, you know, 
all the different relevant things. But the, the one key thing that we track is the frack supply because we want to grow that as big as possible. Do you guys have like that one key metric, that North Star that you as the core team just kind of look at and make sure you drive towards that? It's a good question. I think today, um, no, but looking forward, um, I think it's going to be about, uh, well, it's two things, right? I think it'll be like looking back at the volatility, right? Relative to the parameters of range bound stability, hmm. right? And how the, the performance, like actual performance versus the parameters and targets. Um, and then um, liquidity, like dollars in the market, right? Or just however you want to measure it, like whether it's dollars or pairs, like to me, those are the most important. Um, and then growth of the protocol, um, like uh, trailing those things. Uh, what does the growth of the protocol mean? So I think that can, so that can like um, be a few different metrics. Um, so it's like treasury growth, um, which is not the end all be all, but I think an important metric. Uh, and then supply growth as well, right? And that ties into like the price stability. So if price is relatively stable and the, and the supply is growing, then that it means that the like network is grown. Mm -hmm. I'd also say like integrations, like uh, mm -hmm. ohm, ohm integrations, ohm denominated uh, debt, things like that. Yeah, um, I think our our ohm bonds are like a big step in that direction. And I think like uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully um, the bonds will be like a very composable piece that like other people can make use of, and like it can be composed on top of. So. Yeah. Could you give me an example of how that looks like from a, a DAO perspective? For the own bonds? Yeah, for the own bonds. How would a DAO use that? Um, yeah, so it's like, uh, I I see like, I mean, I, I, there's been a lot of interest in like fixed, uh, fixed rate loans, things like that, like, um, you know, Element, Sense Protocol, Fiat DAO, like there's all these things built around it. I think uh, one, one issue has been that like, they sometimes lack liquidity just because like, I feel like the audience is slightly different from who is generally in DeFi. Um, but I think like with own bonds and I think, um, I think you can have this kind of fixed rate where we're doing essentially like these fixed rate, um, assets, but like, I'm hoping that we can bootstrap enough liquidity for a lot of these other protocols to like start actually uh, churn and like actually work, you know what I mean? And like, we can actually see the results of these things. Um, I think like, if you look at TradFi, there's a huge, obviously like it's a huge portion of the market is these kinds of things. So maybe we can try to uh, recreate some of that here. Yeah. Are, are you asking how protocols will work with own bonds or how protocols would like use them in, in kind of like a uh, like use their own for them? Like what, like where, what's the question coming from? Yeah, no, I'm both. I'm trying to understand how does a DAO wants to use Ohm's like bond, like mechanic, like now with the V3 situation. Oh, so that's a, that's a different thing. So I think there's like the Ohm bonds, which are kind of like these internal bonds, thinking those as like the equivalent of treasuries. Mm -hmm. And so if you're an Ohm, if you're an Ohm holder as a protocol, you can like buy up a 30 day bond and earn like the, uh, if they earn like the uh the the implied rate based on that bond mm -hmm. um you know and then from there you can have protocols building on top of that so for example like if you had the equivalent of 
you can call them like a vault, but they can think of it as like a commercial bank that's built on top of Olympus that takes in deposits. And then it is investing in like different like duration, like certain percentage of their bonds and different duration or a certain percentage of their own but different duration bonds. And then you can offer a rate that's above the staking yield while providing liquidity uh, to your holders. And you have your, you have like a certain amount of reserves. And then you have like kind of this like fractional reserve uh, where you have like your um, own invested in like different maturities. Uh, and you can provide like pseudo liquidity to those holders. Um, and then tied into that is what I think Indigo was referring to was with like these liquid markets for like secondary markets for the bonds, having protocols built on top of that to create liquid markets uh, for these bonds um, to provide liquidity in that market. Um, and that allows for better price discovery and more efficient like pricing of those bonds. Okay, I get it now. I get it now. It, it's for the pro, the DAOs' own holdings. I thought you guys are kind of allowing this technology to be adopted by a DAO to offer their own, you know, Oh, they are. Wheel yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's so we bond, have protocol. bond protocol. Yeah, Jinx. got it. So yeah. both, damn. Okay. Yeah. So bond protocol is the is like Olympus Pro. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yes, of course. Um, where where we offered right like that exact service uh, like bonds as a service to protocols. Um, just spun off and launched. Um, I think this week it launched. Um, oh, congrats! Yeah. So uh, that was very cool. Um. And we're utilizing like bond protocol ourselves for our, our internal bonds and we'll be using it for the range bound system. Um, and that's going to be like a very cool iteration of, uh, or evolution of Olympus pro as a permissionless, like no fee, um, you know, bond service. Ooh. Oh wait, duh. That, that's, that's what Olympus is. Permissionless, <laughs> no fee bond service. Yeah. It sounds attractive. It's like a, a new, like yeah, basically like creating a, opening up that, that primitive like no. yeah and is this still uh, set at like the five days five um no no it's completely variable complete. you can do whatever wow yeah. uh, so okay. this is, and it's tokenized so that's what's really this cool. is right. like frax building their own primitives and they're like hey like why don't we release this to the world this is the exact yeah. same thing but with bonds exactly right cool because because olympus pro is like i mean it's been around for for quite some time now and a lot of projects use it right it offers bond mm -hmm. as a service except it was like quite fixed and it was like quite you know like five days but now you're kind of overhauling all of that allowing the yeah. protocol itself to set the parameters and do their own thing yeah yeah, yeah. so uh i'm i'm really hopeful actually for bond protocol i think i think like uh there's never been like a i don't think there's any protocol out there that kind of does this kind of like bonds mm -hmm. issuance um permissionlessly everything has always been like kind of bespoke uh but now like we have this permissionless system that DAOs can like raise funds, they can do whatever they want, essentially. It's like, I, I look at it almost like an AMM, where like mm -hmm. AMMs, you could just go to an AMM, spin up a pool for your token, and that's it. You don't have to ask anybody, like that's how it is here. You can spin up a bond market, uh, issue bonds for, try to raise whatever money, and it's it's just an exchange, right? Just like right. an AMM is an exchange. So. Is OM going to charge a fee for providing this? It's not from Ohm. So Bond Protocol actually spun out. So like it was Olympus Pro and now it's Bond Protocol. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I'm not sure about the fee. I, uh, it's, it's no fee today. Like, no, okay, fees. no fee today. But no fee. potentially it, it, so, yeah. in the future. Yeah, so it's kind of like, 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 a, like a primitive, almost like an AMM. So think in a similar way that Uniswap could, um, you know, turn on the fee. Yeah. Um, like a protocol fee that I think the like token holders and like with, with the eventual Bond Protocol token will have the uh, governance uh, rights to turn turn that on in the future. Mm -hmm. But today it's really like, a, just kind of like an open permissionless primitive. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, I have like one last question, not about like bonds or like deep or like anything to talk about. Like actually, it's like something about like ohm and like the very like structure of ohm itself, and it's about rebasing. And you know, I've heard Sam called rebasing the original sin of DeFi, <laughs> and that's because it's like it's not very composable. It kind of like messes a lot of things up. Like, what are your thoughts on the on the like the statement ohm? I mean, not <laughs> rebasing is the original sin of DeFi. I, I think I'm, <laughs> if you could see all my chats in the DAO, like you could see that, like I, I've been trying to, uh, move us away from rebasing for a long time. And I think mm. like bond protocol or not bond protocol, the own bonds have been like a really big step in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think rebasing itself is like a very interesting mechanic, right? You're essentially spreading like growth across everybody evenly. Um, the, the issue is that as as Sam said, as you said, it's like it's not composable. Like the the way that systems are built right now, it's like it's not meant to work with rebasing. And it's really unfortunate because I think I really do think that rebasing could work in a few different ways. Um I don't know if it's good for most financial things, but I actually think like for games, I think rebasing is a really, really interesting mechanic. You can actually um simulate for example if you were think of like how would you simulate like uh evaporation of water right it would be like a negative rebase right across everywhere so things like that so like so yeah you look at like rebasing is an interesting mechanic it's just not i don't know if it yeah i don't know maybe it's just cursed (laughs) everyone (laughs) who's tried it is kind of yeah yeah I, I, I I, i think that like rebasing not thoughtfully implemented this is is like uh, a sin i think thoughtfully implemented it can be a really elegant mechanic um you definitely have the issue of composability if you're not as worried about composability especially like in the early days of like a bootstrapping i think it can be a really elegant way to distribute um your supply mm-hmm. and uh like uh, align people who are longer term committed to the protocol um especially with like if you do it in the way with like compounding so um the people who are more aligned um like will benefit um that way uh i think at some point though you have to like always reevaluate the purpose of it right so um as we reevaluated the purpose of the rebases given like the market conditions where the protocol is like, uh, I don't think that type of rebasing that we had is, like, appropriate anymore. Yeah, I'd agree there. Mm. I think um, there's something of, like, spreading to everybody versus, like, if you have more targeted mechanics of, like, how you spread growth. Um, it's 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 just a choice, right? And, like, there's trade-offs to both things. Um, is I think... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going uh, You go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I don't even know. I forgot. Uh, what I was going to ask, is rebasing still there in the V3? It is for now. Okay, for now. <laughs> I think uh, I think eventually what's going to happen is um, I think we will move away from rebasing completely and have uh, like even geom is we're trying to as with the ohm bonds right uh, we're trying to do more of a focus on ohm itself right the token um, geom like uh, was a response to like you know having rebasing so like okay how can you package the rebasing so it's composable. 
but then it gets rid of the use of like ohm itself right Mm-hmm. But now we're kind of moving back towards like, okay, let's focus on ohm. We're going to use the range range model on ohm's price, right? Mm-hmm. Not geom. We're going to issue ohm bonds, not on geom. And um, ideally, like, and this is kind of what I was alluding to with like the ohm bonds, like uh, uh, your question of like building on top. I hope that like maybe there's a vault that gets built that is like kind of takes the place of geom where it kind of buys... A bunch of ohm bonds right and has like different maturities and like has some set aside for liquidity and like you now have like a yearn vault mm-hmm. that's for ohm bonds right and that could serve the same purpose as geom right yeah yeah, yeah. this big composable token but it's not from it's not like from built around rebasing it's built around like actual uh things around the economy itself right, right? yeah you, you could at, at some point right especially as you get to like um single digit staking rates right so you think about um like the current or what the ohm staking rate will be in a week from now or the eth staking rate for like liquid staking derivatives i don't like at the end of the, there's a difference between rebasing in the, in that sense and a staking yield if you want to call it that right and that's what you know, like ethereum staking calls it uh it's it's really more akin in that sense to like think about like the die savings rate mm-hmm. which is like turned off today but they could be turned on in the future to incentivize like holding of DAI or to allow DAI holders to like uh, get their share of like the network growth. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, like, I don't see that as, you know, uh, a negative thing at all, right? Just like mm-hmm. you call it, you call it, you know, staking rate or a savings rate or a rebasing. Uh, it like uh, the functionality um, is what matters. Yeah. Do you see like a token migration happening to like a new non-rebasing ohm, or do you think that's not necessary? Uh, it's not necessary because yeah. ohm itself is not rebasing. Ohm itself uh, is not re- okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's the other thing, right? So that's what I'm saying. You could stake ohm in this contract oh, and it, re- so- it rebase it. Call it rebasing, but it's not. It's just like you're getting staking rewards. So yeah. what made ohm rebasing to begin with? It's just like something tinkered in the contract, but it's not like a core part it's, that you have to so migrate when you away from. It. Oh, when, when you, you staked it, yeah, oh, okay. then you got rebasing. Yeah, oh, that's then... a misconception that Ohm yeah. is a rebasing token. It's not. Yeah. It's just staking it's rewards. Oh, so Ohm was like never rebasing. It was yeah. just when you S Ohm was S Ohm S Ohm staked Ohm was the rebasing. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, the the liquid token itself, like Ohm, right, where all the liquidity is, is not rebasing, and that's why the liquidity is in that token because Ohm is composable. Oh, right? and, I understand. And so, and so by taking down the staking rate, right? So as I mentioned, you, you, like if you had to be staked to earn this 200%, you're not going to do anything else with your own. So by taking that staking rate down, now you can utilize your own in these liquid markets for real economic activity. Okay, got it. That's um, why it was so expensive to short ohm, right? Right. You had to yeah, o- it, was, it, was hard to find, it was hard to find venues to do so. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I hope that we can introduce that. Um, so in the beginning of, oh, well, actually I, for people that don't know, um, like in the beginning of, like you had this like super high, like, you know, rebasing rate, and then you had to like have liquidity, like bonding for it. So like, how did the bond for like people that don't remember, like how did like the bonding, like how did you attract people to like bond rather than just like stake? It's like, it's just a lot easier, like stake and like, just like three, three. And, but like, how'd you get like get people to, like get that first initial protocol on liquidity? 
Yeah, bonding is just a way for people to buy OM at a discount directly from the protocol. Okay. Um, and basically the, the protocol, or you could think about it as the protocol selling uh, OM into the oh, market. Okay. Um, and that makes sense. It, pe people would compare that discount to what they could earn, earn, right? I'm putting that in air quotes around like in OM terms, right? Uh, uh, from OM staking. Yeah. Yeah. And Got so it. people people would do the math and figure out which one was better. Um, and it, was, it used like this Dutch auction method. Uh, that uh, was like a purely market-driven price for those bonds. And when the got, got the price that the market deemed appropriate, people would bond, and that's how the protocol took in those assets. It's interesting to see how, like, OM has evolved, like, from from that, like, to, like, launch to, like, now where you guys are yeah. have these, like, ranges. It's like, okay, OM's, like, more mature now. It's time. OM's been in the market for a while. Like, let's see, right. like, let's find, like, not more, like, instead of, like, you know, bootstrap phase, more, like, natural, you know, price discovery with OM. Yep. Yeah, got it. It's been a huge like. Uh, every, it's just so many learnings, right? Everyone's learned so much over time. So yeah. yeah, it's just applying these things. You guys have become monetary experts, like from experience. Like very few people <laughs> can say that. Like this is like mm -hmm. shit that central bankers do. But like, oh, yeah. you're doing it. Like, and you guys because it's DeFi, and you just learn faster because it's twenty four seven. It's just like you're gaining this experience in this exponential way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting. I think. I think as a group, as like the contributors I find are like very uh, talented, but also very humble. And mm -hmm. we like we all study, um, you know, like monetary policy, uh, and increasingly so, right? And I think it's been interesting to see a lot of the stuff that we have reasoned from first principles mm -hmm. um, versus stuff that maybe like uh, we had less of a grasp on. And it's like it's I think it's really important like to like. Uh, study the past and study like how like a lot of central banking works and know your history. About, yeah and think about like what works um in the context of crypto right yeah. and what what kind of ideas you should port over and what does crypto allow you that is um you know like where like the model is almost orthogonal to the real world you need to like rethink how you should implement some policies what were some influences like who did you guys read like who was in your study sessions I think a lot of us are going through this uh, Perry Merling course. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's like, I don't know his, he's a professor at, I think, Columbia, and he has this course called like Money and Banking, and it's fucking really good. Uh, so, well, a lot of us have been taking that one. That's been really interesting. Yeah. We've all been reading a lot more. Um, Asfi, if you guys know who Asfi is, he's been reading like, Asfi's like an OG Omi. He's like a, he's been, he's awesome. He's a great community member. And he's been reading a lot about like uh, uh, Hayek and like mm -hmm. old, old economic stuff. And like, just like comparing to a lot of the things that we have now. It's true scholars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of these guys in the community. That's why it's so fun here. Yeah, and, and, and there's like a community of, of general, like in D, D, of DeFi builders who are really interested in this stuff. Um, like we're part of a group where we do like readings and, and learn about this stuff. So I think Kia, you're part of that group too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's like, yeah, it's just, um, understanding like, uh, uh, yeah, like, uh, just trying to absorb all that, um, while, uh, continuing to build and, yeah, taking yeah. the lessons, taking the lessons from, from the real world. If, if I'm new to DeFi and I'm for some, somehow still here and I'm like looking for a project to get involved in and I'm like, I'm like, oh, like, oh, like I listen, it's like, oh, I want to like become an OMI now. Like what's like the process of like someone becoming a contributor to the OM protocol? Oh, OM DAO. Omification. Um, <laughs> Omification. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I mean, come to the Discord. Like, uh, actually, Asfi, who I mentioned before, is going to be doing like courses actually for like education of the community, which is going to be really, really. Is cool. that starting uh, soon? It's very soon. Yeah, I think like within the next few weeks, I believe. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah. And then we have like a policy channel if you want to talk about like mechanics or anything like that. I'm gonna have to take uh, that course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that'll be really good. It's not like none of us had any like editorial oversight of that, right? Like right. we tried to like make sure it was factually correct, but he's really taking like an academic uh, view of it. And, um, you know, with uh, like, you know, criticisms um, were appropriate. And I think he's just uh, yeah, like a real critical lens. To Olympus Academy. What, what's like yeah. a Greek word for academy? Like what was it called? Was it the, I don't even know. Academy <laughs> might be, might, might, come, might come from Greek, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it would be crazy if you had like, because in ancient Greece, they didn't have writing, you just had oral possessions. And so like, if you had to take a test, it was an oral test so you had to like, remember everything. And then once writing came along, it was like, you didn't have to remember everything so much. It was just like, holy shit. It like, it changed the course of academia. In ancient yeah, Greece. academy, academy is, is from the Greek aca academia or academia. Yeah. Or ac ac academos. Academos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking like people, I mean, all the listeners who kind of bear with us throughout this whole time, like I highly doubt they are beginners. Like, yeah. <laughs> if you make off. it through this whole podcast, if you're, if you're one of the few that makes it through all this, <laughs> then like you can like appreciate something like the academia, academos. Yeah. You guys, you guys end every pod with like etymology, a class, just like... Always, bro. Ancient, ancient Always. words, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I quote the greats. Actually, no, we, how we end every pod is with a, a lightning round. Yeah, so I, okay. I think it's a good time to, to jump into that. Dave, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right, so um, I'm going to give the first one to Indigo here. Uh, what was your first virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the chain and sexist don't count? Um... Uh, hmm. It was, I think, uh, I think it was sushi when it still had like the yam forked front end. Oh, uh, yeah. You guys remember that? That of was, course. I think my, oh think my that God. Was my first. And then, uh, yeah. And then dude, I think everyone went through this. They would like, join those telegram chats with like the really fucking clear Ponzi's, but you're like, oh, I can make like a few hundred dollars. <laughs> and then like, yeah. That was in and out, second. in and out real quick. Yeah, exactly. Is, is your, is, are you asking, um, like crypto or like on-chain activity? Like, like, well, on-chain, on-chain, on-chain activity. On yeah. activity. When did you first touch the chain? My first thing was doing comp farming, leveraged looping of stables. Damn, he's smart. Very OG. <laughs> Damn, he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no, that's, I remember that that kind of kicked off everything, right? Um, yeah. I was, I was a little ready, like later to the game. I feel like, I, I felt like I was super late, but it was still like, I think that's I guess late thing. DeFi we summer. Felt, we all felt late. Yeah, but that was the first thing I did, and like I, I think I remember doing it first through InstaDap because they had it like automatically where you could oh, set right, the amount right, of leverage right. you wanted to use. It would just automatically loop it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, second question. Second question. What is your favorite off-chain activity? What is your touch grass activity? Let's start with Jala on this one. Uh, basketball. I play basketball a lot. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Indigo and uh, I uh, it used to be jujitsu. No, I've been rock climbing a lot more. It's like very, very fun. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. I'm nice. Super into rock climbing is a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 We like to see. We like to see our builders yeah. outside doing yeah, physical activities <laughs> using their physical human body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so for both of you, what's some advice that you would give to your your five year old younger self? I mean, five years younger from now. So. <laughs> five year old self. <laughs> from your yeah. It's like don't eat that crayon. <laughs> <laughs> don't sniff that marker. <laughs> Imagine the world if Indigo didn't sniff that marker. Yeah. <laughs> indigo. <laughs> you um, sniff the Indigo marker and it's like, oh, this is my yeah, favorite like, oh, I, 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 <laughs> I inspiration. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say that uh, five years ago, I was like in a kind of like a dead end job and like outperforming people, but too scared to leave. I would just be like, don't be scared to like jump, right? Like, I think the, the risks are a lot worse in your head than they are um, in actuality. Like, if you're intelligent and you can have, like, adapt, like, you can make it very far, right? So, uh, For me, don't quit at the top of the top of the bull market. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite. It was... Pay more attention during the bear market. Like, mm. I wish I was paying more attention in 2018 and 19. Mm. That's what I would say. But you are in 2022. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're at the cutting edge of monetary innovation. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sick. Yeah. And then um, I, I would love to wrap with this. If you weren't working in crypto professionally, career-wise, what would you be doing, Indigo? Oh, it's a hard one. Um, I I love working here. It's so fun. Um, but I would probably be doing, um, hmm. I'd probably be doing engineering, but for like maybe either um trying to get into like some kind of energy storage stuff has been like this fascination of mine. Um. Or uh, or into like cloud infrastructure. I really like that stuff too. So We've gotten a few be... energy answers like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or or making music. I, I've always wanted to do that. So that'd be another thing. DJ Indigo. All right. Yeah. Hope so. That's, that's a ring. <laughs> All right, Jala. What's up? Um. Ideally, I think I would teach. I would like to be a professor. Um, what subject? Uh, <laughs> finance. I think I would get a PhD in finance. Uh, and, and would like to be a professor, um, but realistically, I'd probably be in banking. But mm -hmm. so realistically and ideally, <laughs> yeah. Um, and where can people find you on social media? Uh, I'm at uh, zero x Jala on Twitter, and uh, in Discord, I'm J I'm Jala. Get find me, hit me up in the certified non-legend. Certified non-legend, actually. Certified non-legend. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the Olympus Discord. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm Indigo, but the first on Twitter it's Indigo, but the first I is an underscore, which makes it hard to search for. But that's why you think you're Shadow Band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude, that that breaks that breaks the compositability of Twitter. Having it does, that. dude, you're a hundred percent right. Uh, I should probably change it, dude. No, for um, for the longest time, I was like Dave said that because that was a na username I made seven years ago. But then uh -huh. I probably like so many people were searching for me, but couldn't find me because. <laughs> I'm 
they were searching for DeFi Dave and like all the, like there were 10 DeFi Daves that came up, but not me. Oh shit. And then yeah. it, fi- it finally hit me in like June during NFT NYC. I was like, I should really just change my username. So what I <laughs> yeah. did was like, I just like made a new, made a new account and just like put my old username to there. Oh, and nice. then just like led that to be like, oh, this is like my old account, like follow DeFi Day 22. Okay, nice. Maybe I should do that. Yeah. And uh, nice. on, well, on, on uh, Discord, I'm Indigo, yeah. It's very easy to find. I'm a blue mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a blue mushroom. Well, Professor, Professor Jala and DJ Indigo, you know, we greatly appreciate <laughs> you tuning in today on the, the Flywheel Pod and educating everybody on, you know, not only uh, the Greek language, but also monetary policy. It's been an honor to be here with y'all. Thanks, guys. Excited yeah, to see what so you guys much. do. Yeah, it's no, a lot of thank fun. you guys. Thank you. It was really fun. Uh, I'm a huge fan of your guys' podcast, actually. So, oh, thank, thank you. you guys for doing this. I really appreciate it. Of course. See you guys soon. See ya. Peace. Thanks, everyone, for watching this episode of Flywheel Pod, where we went deep into the V3 of Olympus. Also, a little bit of you know what what it's like working in a DAO. That's a naturally growing organism what it was like during the whole ohm crazy mania, the run-up, the preceding fall, and how they, you know, basically went through the adversity, got to the other side of it, and now, you know, I think they're stronger than ever. Dude, it was a great hangout sesh with the homies. And yeah. I've learned a ton. I've learned a ton. Like, I've, you yeah. know, to be completely frank, I kind of glossed over ohm ever since kind of, you know, post-hype. But to mm-hmm. hear what they're building, I, I'm very excited to see what's yeah. to come in the next, you know, three months or so. They really did make an excellent job making the case for a DeFi native reserve currency. And, you know, I always be a fractionalist, but it's always cool to see these different monetary experiments playing out in real time. And, you know, we're really lucky to be um, at the cutting edge of it all and covering it for you guys, yeah. the viewers. Um, and they said many, many times that Frax has always been kind of like the forefront leader of like, basically all the DeFi playbook. And you, you mm-hmm. kind of see that happening with, um, you know, Ohm kind of, t- and Ohm is not quote a stable coin either, right? And they're still yeah. kind of taking the Frax playbook of doing a, a, some AMOs. kind of automated market operations, working with mm-hmm. other DAOs to be the most liquid counter pair. Like, you know, it, yeah. Frax is always play, at the forefront. Yeah, Frax is at the forefront. Like they're the first, it's amazing how many different protocols, whether it's Olympus, whether it's Alchemex, whether it's even like Maker, um, that has adopted the AMO in some capacity to perform this on-chain monetary policy. Um, and, you know, I couldn't agree more with the whole with the whole positive some ethos. Like, all these protocols are stronger together, being paired together, you know, whether it's using each other at a protocol level, level whether it's, like, pairing with each other at, like, a token liquidity level. Um, you know, I think the, they're basically showing it it's going to work for ourselves, and then from there, the next step, it's going to, like, work for all of DeFi, all of crypto and all of Web3. Hell yeah. Yeah. And on that note, do not forget to hit that bell button, get those notifications. Don't forget to subscribe to us, Flywheel Pod. Follow us on Twitter, at Flywheel Pod. Join our Telegram group, at Flywheel Pod. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at DeFiDave22. Follow me at 0xCapital underscore K. And thank you. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.